it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is the Rich Eisen Show. What are we doing? Winker going over toward the dugout and both benches are empty. 60 guys coming at it and there's just four umpires. And now the umpires have their hands full trying to separate guys. The thing I don't understand is baseball allowing the bullpen guys to come running in. Holy smokes, we have a melee in the index circle. The Rich Eisen Show. Earlier on the show, ESPN senior writer Brian Wintorst. Sports media personality John Boy. Still to come. Your phone calls, latest news, and more. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. John Boy will be joining us on this program uh, in just a matter of moments here. Uh, one of the best in digital media and social media that is out there. You know, he's branching John Boy Media into more conventional media as well. He's appearing on the Yes Network, home of yeah. his uh, beloved New York Yankees as well. Um, and his breakdowns are spectacular. And what I mean by breakdowns is he captures the video and kudos to baseball to let him to continue to do this because they, they, they could put a stop to this. I think lickety split very stingy with rights, but they're letting him use all the videos out there to take you inside baseball in a manner that nobody's really ever done smart on a, on a granular level, a lip reading level, taking you inside the way that players talk and managers talk and managers think and players think it is really remarkable. And the way he handled the Mariners angels brawl is his opus. It's his, it's 15 minutes long. So you need to sit there and, and, and get some time. I have it queued up, but, but, but basically we're we're now as baseball fans um, tuning in to see what what's he gonna what's he gonna tell us? Like I'm watching it, and I know we're not seeing the full story. We don't know the full story. And after the game, you know the players and the managers are rarely going to give you the full story. So the full story is what they're saying in real time and what the mics are picking up and what his lip reading skills are picking up. And what the full story is is Mike Trout got. A ball sailed over his head on Saturday night. And this was after he personally beat the crap out of the Mariners in Seattle in a four-game set just last week. So these two teams don't like each other. There's a history, and now they're playing each other over and over and over again in a, in a condensed 10-day period. And um, Trout gets a ball that sails over his head on Saturday night. And the, uh, the back and forth that's had that you see from the dugouts after that, Phil Nevin, the interim manager there, you could see he's not very happy about it. As the Mariners celebrate their win, he's staring at them on the field. And sure enough, the Sunday game happens, and the Angels start an opener. 
It's a guy who doesn't start games, like ever. Andrew wants, and he throws one uh, that damn near hits Julio Rodriguez, their stud kid, and then they strike him out. And then in the top of the second, Wants is out there and he hits Jesse Winker right in the hip. And that's when Winker doesn't go and charge the mound. He goes and he finds Nevin. And all holy heck breaks loose. And the lip reading that John Boy conducts is so spot on, there's no question based on the lip reading that Phil Nevin sent this kid out there to go hit Mariners. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, just look at the 15 minutes and you'll see it. Because included in the 15 minutes is Winker apparently talking to Wants, the pitcher. I, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing his name correctly. It could be Wants. My bad. I don't know. Never really heard of the guy until this all happened. Where Winker is responding to the pitcher who just hit him. And this is in the middle of the fray. And they're still pushing and shoving and hitting and throwdowns happening. Where Winker says the words, and it's properly lip-readed by John Boy, you had to hit me? And it looks like the pitcher's telling him, yeah, you know, hey, man, my bad. You could read the body language. My bad. Uh, but I had to hit you. And you can see Winker go, he had to hit me? And he also, Winker found himself in the middle of the fray, face-to-face with Nevin. And you could read the lips from Winker basically saying, we didn't even hit your guy. Bought and hit Trout. It sailed over his head, which is, you know, I understand too close for comfort. So baseball acted yesterday. And I think they were spot on. Nevin got 10 games, man. He got 10 games. Winker got seven. And then J.P. Crawford... Anthony Rendon and the pitching coach, Dom Chidi, each got five games. Rendon came out with a cast on his arm throwing down, throwing hands. With a casted hand and arm. He's always really Watts scratched. got three games. Julio Rodriguez got two. Ryan Tapera, who was uh, you know, the first one, I think, to joust with Winker, he got three games. Rizel Iglesias got two games. I don't know. He showed up. Did, was he one of the guys that came in? Were these guys coming in from the pen? They had to have been. They had to have been out there in the had pen. To, had to. Had to. Which is, again, my point being, keep those guys out of the fray. You don't allow them to come out of the pen. <laughs> the Angels bench coach got two games. The catching coach, Bill Hasselman, got two game, one game for the Angels. And I've never seen this before. This is a first. I've never seen this before. A two-game suspension for the Angels interpreter. Manny Del Campo. So I guess, again, he improperly read body language. <laughs> and I guess whoever Del Campo's there to, to translate, is there? Can, can you add a new interpreter for two games? Can there be an interpreter that you hire for just the, the temp interpreter? They're going to have to. Or do you have to do without it? I mean, the penalty would be, I guess the penalty is you're, you're, you're not with your regular interpreter. So the Angels lose a game, mm-hmm. maybe in the next couple of games, because, you know, the, <laughs> the person for whom English is not a first language didn't understand, didn't comprende, right? I, I, it was mixed up in the trend, lost in translation. Lost in trans- what if the translator there, was acting on behalf of the person he was translating for? Yeah, like, oh, I'm going to beat, I'm going to hate you. Maybe, oh, he was the yeah. pers- maybe he was yeah. translating in the middle of all that, 
the person for whom English is not the first language was trying to tell somebody who only speaks English, you suck. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And he's caught in the middle of all he this was, trying to interpret the sucking he was and the expression of sucking. <laughs> I think we got to look Could deeper that into it? that. Is that what he interpreted? I mean, was he acting the on his own? The interpreter got suspended. <laughs> You're supposed to let your mouth do the talking, not your hands. Well, not when you're a sign language interpreter. Damn. You know? He's also a bullpen catcher. And apparently Otani was so, kept yeah. out of the fray because uh, uh, his interpreter was there to help him. Keep him out. What the hell? What do we do? Amazing. <laughs> Simply wild. So John Boy's about to join us to discuss all of that. <laughs> Again, baseball. Keep the guys in the pen, staying in the pen. And again, I'm assuming Tapera and Iglesias were in the pen, even though they're late-inning guys. They're high-leverage guys, to use the phrase that's that's uh, thrown out there in the 21st century when you talk about back-end-of-the-bullpen pitchers. I'm assuming they were out there, right? Wouldn't they be out there, even if it's the second inning? Or do they hang in the in the dugout with their teammates in the second inning, and then go out to the pen? Uh, but normally they hang out yeah, there, right? Yeah, if you're a starter out. and you're not pitching that day, you're in the dugout. But if you're a reliever, you're, you're out a reliever, the pen. You're out in the pen. So they ran in they got and got suspended. <laughs> I mean, Case in point. Eight four four two zero four. Rich number to dial here on on the program. All right, TJ, are you uh, you ready for this? Let's do this. I mean, you know, much like in life, we, we save the best for last, right? And that is the, the now eight-show run of TJ Jefferson providing all of us his thoughts on who's the greatest player in the history of every franchise in the NFL. We broke it down by division. You saved the NFC East for last. I did. TJ. Yes. I need four names from you. So I guess this is the NFC East Mount Rushmore, right? Yes. One from the Cowboys, one from the Eagles, one from the Giants, one from Washington. You have the floor, TJ Jefferson. All right. Like I said, we saved the best for last here, guys. And, you know, much like, you know, high school sports, what they do to get your appetite up, they give you the the, the JV, they let the little fellows play, oh and then the varsity God. comes out. And that's oh, that's what I decided hard, to do no, here oh today. My God. Have just the varsity come the out last. last. The two okay. divisions in which Tom Brady has played have just been called the junior varsity. Junior varsity division. You know, we have the most Super Bowl championships in this division. Whatever, no big deal. All right. So we're going to start us off with the easiest one. With all due respect to anyone who's donned a New York Giants helmet. I had to put Lawrence Taylor That's in it. there yeah, I mean, as it. my goat. That's it. Uh, that was easy. That's as for the rest, they were not so easy. Okay. But I came up with this. For the Philadelphia Eagles, wow. I went with Brian, Brian Dawkins. Dawkins. For the Washington football team, I went with Daryl Green. Okay. And for the Dallas Cowboys, this is going to cause a lot of discussion. Nope. But... He's the one of the best I've ever seen, and I'm going with Emmett Smith. And I, I stayed up late night debating this because it was between Lily, Staubach, Emmett. Yeah. And I went back and forth, back and yeah. forth, and then I decided to go to websites just to see who they had. Yeah. A lot of, I'd say every website I went to is probably 60-40, Staubach. But, man, 
you know, when you talk about a guy, a running back position is probably the most grueling position in football. You have a guy who is the all-time leading rusher. He has scored the most touchdowns by land. He led a team to three Super Bowls. He was the catalyst. I mean, Emmitt Smith did it all. And he is honestly one of the most disrespected greats in the history of sports. Mm. Because all you ever hear is about, you know, well, he had a good team. He had a good line and this, that, and the third. Emmitt Smith was doing this his whole life, though, guys. He was the number one running back in high school. He went to Florida. He rushed for, let me get this right, 3,900 yards and 36 touchdowns. You know how many linemen he had that got drafted? One. One in three years. Then he comes to the Cowboys. Rushes for three seasons, about 3,000 yards with no Pro Bowl offensive linemen. So that whole argument that Emmett had the greatest line, he did have a great line for about five years. But the rest of the time, the line was good. It wasn't as great as everyone makes it out to be. So because that happened at a time in my life, I was in my early 20s getting to see this team who we all laugh about now, about they haven't won in a long time. But to me... Like, that was my youth. That was the greatest time of my life as a football fan. Mm-hmm. And he was the reason. So that's why I went with Emmett. And all due respect to Roger Staubach, I know he's a great, and he very easily could have and maybe should have been put in here. But for me, I had to go with Emmett. You can only choose one. And um, when we were teasing this in the previous hour, and I was teasing you saying two words, Blake Jarwin. Yeah. Well, uh, but I said that the, the one that I would choose is not old school enough for some people. Are you thinking Bob Lilly? I was talking about Emmett. Oh, okay. That I oh, would not choose old school Emmett, enough. Gotcha. Not old gotcha. school enough for some people. Emmett's not old school enough for some people. Even though it has been 30 years since he first shown up on the scene. Yeah. But there are enough people, and I totally get it. The Landry Hat, Staubach quarterback, Dallas Cowboys of the John Facenda NFL Films world that caused the Cowboys to become and be named America's team that played in that stadium that Emmett and Troy and Irv won all those games and championships in with the hole in the roof so God can watch his favorite team. That was all arranged and created by that era of Cowboys with Dorsett and Pearson and Lilly and yeah. White and what have you. All guys who deserve mention. No question. But Emmett is the all-time leading rusher in the National Football League's history. And ask anybody on the triplet teams about Emmett yeah. and his worth. And if you remember, he held out. He held out. And what happened they when went he went to And then he came back. And they won the Super Bowl. There you go. <laughs> so, I mean, what more? <laughs> I'm with you. I'm totally with you. And I know what might be coming your way for saying that or mine, mm-hmm. having backed your play. Lawrence Taylor's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. In and respect, I you know, love they had Brian Dawkins, Mike- and he is a personification of everything in Philadelphia and the Eagles. And I, I totally tell you- get it. I would have gone Reggie White. Yeah, it came down to Reggie Chuck Bednarik and Dawkins. Oh, he could have gone that too. Could have Bednarik. Uh, I had Reggie White originally. Okay, when I first made this list up last year, I told you Reggie White was a the guy. Then Reggie White, six years, that's enough time. But I have friends who are Eagles fans, and I got hit up by some of them, and they were like, Dawkins was the personification. He, he was is. the heart. He was the soul what 13 years. McNabb? McNabb, but as the greatest eagle ever, I don't know. Four straight NFC Championship games, got a Super no, Bowl in there. Brian Dawkins is part of all those teams. Yeah. I mean, Brian, what, I mean, what, and what, as a Cowboys fan, 
I hate the Eagles and I hated Brian Dawkins because Brian Dawkins devastated us every single time he played. Like twice a year, it's like you got to put up with Brian Dawkins. Isn't he the one who picked off Favre in that uh, in that playoff game? That epic Eagles Packers playoff mm-hmm. game that that once again got the Eagles to uh, he, I championship mean, it, game. If there was a big play to be made, he was in there. It's Fred like, X. You didn't name Freddie Mitchell? Harold Carmichael, Steve Van Buren also deserved to be named on the list. And as far as the Washington team, Uh, I mean, I don't think you could make a mistake with Daryl Green. You could, the other one, Art Monk's the Art Art Monk was in because I had a, I have a roommate, my old roommate from Pittsburgh with up Spider. He watches the show. His big Washington fan and his mom, huge Art Monk fan. So when I initially made the list, it was Art Monk, but I talked to him the other day, and he said, as a Washington fan, it was Daryl Green. So I, I, I went with his, what he said, but John Riggins. Um, I actually almost put the Hogs in here, guys, just to show love to that offensive yeah, you line. you can't just name them. You can't just group. name them. You but yeah, but shout out to Joe Jacoby, Russ Grimm. They were great. Joe Theismann, obviously, for Washington. What do you Washington. think, Chris? Uh, let me just tell you, uh, the Giants real quick. Strahan, Frank Gifford, Harry Carson, oh, sure. Phil Sims, and Eli. Uh, Roosevelt Brown and Y.E. Tittle went back a little bit. but Sam know, Huff. Sam, but it, it's Lawrence Taylor is in that short discussion of the single greatest football player oh, ever. Mean, like yesterday, people were arguing about the Jim Brown pick. And with all due respect to Otto Graham or anyone else, like Jim Brown, man. Brown's like, on NFL's Mount Rushmore. So is Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. So you can't argue with And this. also, I know some people, Washington fans, are going to say Sammy Baugh. And again, I say this respectfully. The NFL didn't integrate until 1946. Therefore, Sammy Bob played over half of his career. He never played against anyone of color. So I'm sorry, but that nullifies it in my opinion. You can yell at me in the comments if you want, but it is what it is. So that's just how I feel. But. Yeah, Sam Hoff, uh, just to throw it out there, um, he created the position of the, the spot and the linebacker that he played middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. I mean, he created it. And essentially... I mean, uh, and do you know who his defensive coordinator was? Do you know who the coordinators on those Giants teams were? Tom Landry was one? Tom Landry was the guy who created the defense around Sam Huff. Mm-hmm. And you know who the offensive coordinator was? Was His name was Vince Lombardi. Oh, Lombardi. Yeah. yeah, I was just about to say you that. imagine yeah. Lombardi and Landry were Landry. your coordinators? Yeah. And of course, if there was sports talk radio back in the day, they would call him and say, fire this coordinator. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> But really, I mean, Landry and Huff created a style of defense together. But recency definitely requires us to say Lawrence Taylor. Absolutely. I mean, the, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the guy who had extracurricular activities before, after, and maybe even during games and still. Well done, something. TJ. Thank you. I want to thank you guys for letting me do this, man. Like I said, I wrote this list last what year and kind of sat on do it. This? What are you talking about? Well, I mean, you let me no, do this. No, no, you know? it's a team effort where we talk about it and we say the great idea, best idea wins, as our friend Brian Cranston said win. that. But this has been fun, man, just kind of like. And we disagree with half of them. Yeah, but that's have always really, going to be the case. Have we really? I mean, I think the, the biggest one was the Sam Mills one, especially well, you from you the, going Aaron Rodgers for the Packers, telling Bart Starr pound sand with well, your I would never tell MVPs of Super Bowls one and two, never, and all the championships that you had beforehand. I would never tell sir. Bart Starr to pound sand. Maybe like an that's Eagles what you did. player. No, I mean, it's what you did essentially. Nah, I mean, I wouldn't look at it like that. You know, chose Aaron Rodgers as the Packers, right? You know. Obviously, like I said, the Sam Mills one, I went with my heart. I thought that, you know, being a member of the original team, coming up with their logo, with their motto, keep pounding, 
you know, that received some brushback, and I'm okay with that. Okay. Okay Jonas with that. Gray as the Patriot was very controversial. Very yeah. controversial. Right, well, else? look, guys, men Darrell lie. Darrell Revis would have been nice. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. That's Darrell why. Revis yeah, instead of Joe Namath. <laughs> Get out of here, man. By the way, the but one. That's just so sad. Like, is the Jets, uh, is the Jets one the oldest? Uh, that's a good question. Well, Jim, Brown. Think. Jim Brown. Oh, Jim Brown. Yeah. Brown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tried to show love Where to the like old school. It's like it's been 50 years to have a shot to knock him off the mountaintop. Nope, and he ain't going to do it. And, and, and neither <laughs> franchise has done it. Well, Alan Page, we had him. Uh, Alan Page. You know? Yeah, so he yeah. was back there as well. Until, Deacon Jones. Until Kirk Cousins wins the Super Bowl this year. The crazy thing is that the Browns could go on some crazy run once all of this insanity settles, right? And still won't matter. It's going to be Jim Brown. Yeah. Absolutely. But if Zach Wilson wins a championship in New York or two. Two. If he wins two, it's him. It's him. Yeah. Will that happen? Shut up. Let's take a break. <laughs> I like Zach. I want him to do well. Yes. yes. Why not? Yeah. This yeah. Sure why not. Says fellow Jet fan, Bobby Cannavale. <laughs> All right. We will take a break here on the Rich Eisen Show. The one and only John Boy chopping it up on how he looked at the Mariners-Angels brawl for all of us. That's next. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com Eisen. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, Freddie Freeman is gonna is changing agents. Hey, and he's crying. I mean, his his heart's in Atlanta. Uh, I mean, that's that's fine and dandy, and I totally get it. But when it all came down to it, if the didn't he? It wasn't he the one that eventually said make the deal with the Dodgers. That's where we're gonna go because he thought. And if and, and if the money right. wasn't what it was supposed to be, or the years or the respect. In you know, communicated by the Braves, and he thought the representation was wrong. But the Braves pick but up the, the phone. But the like, Braves were saying they never heard back from Freddie's agents, so they realized it was time to move on, and they made the deal for Olson. And then the deal for Olson got done, and Freddie was like, "Fine, I guess we're going to the Dodgers." So that's the order of events. I believe so. So the the fact that Olson got acquired from Oakland by the Braves 
was in Freddie Freeman's mind, and this is what we're piecing together, brought about because the representation of Freeman indicated to Atlanta that might be your best move to do it. Right. Braves felt like they were just waiting around, waiting around. We made our best offer. We're waiting around. All right, well, we're getting to the 11th hour. We got to get a first baseman for our future. And, and not just any first baseman. A, a Pretty damn good one. Basically a five-year younger version of Freddie Freeman. It worked out for a while. All I'm saying is that, you know, in every negotiation I've ever been a part of, I'm in the driver's seat. You know, and my representative and I are constantly talking, so we're on the same page. Right. And I know, like, whatever move you're making, not only is it at my behest, but my representation tells me, if we make this move, here are the possible outcomes, some of which you may not like. Talking truth to You have to client. be truthful. In a you, I know. Like, yeah. Hence the move. <laughs> wow. Joining us on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line is a man who is all over baseball in a way that is so enjoyable and so enlightening for, for all of us uh, here on, on, on the program. And anybody who's even a casual fan of the sport, Bill Hader name-checked him the other day when he was on the program um, promoting the season finale of Barry because he's a part owner of John Boy Media. Joining us is the creator and founder of John Boy Media, fresh off a must-see 15-minute breakdown of the Mariners-Angels brawl. John Boy here on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line. How are you, John Boy? I'm doing very well. Yeah, Bill actually called this morning because uh, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was enjoying the video. He wanted to call and tell me uh, that he, he liked it a lot. Well, you, the video, your video you're referring to uh, is what we were talking about as well, like the 15-minute opus, uh, you know, th- this is th- that you put out uh, breaking down the Mariners and the Angels uh, brawl. Uh, I, I called it a work of art that should be put in Cooperstown. This is kind of like your. This is kind of like your Inagata de Vida, you know, to, to kind of date myself with a, with a, uh, a, 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 a rock reference here. So, uh, how long did that take you to put together that video? I, I, around fifteen hours, if you don't count capturing the footage which uh you know it was a, a long brawl so you, you can't capture i can't capture it in faster time so if it's an hour long then that means it's going to take two hours to get the home and the away but i think I've, I've, I've narrowed it down to it's about an hour per minute so that was uh i stayed home canceled all my plans and worked on that from 8 a.m until like 6 p.m when it got uh posted well and then I, some from the night before prepping well i mean your your breakdown of it if major league baseball has anybody like you in their front office to to decide on penalties and 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 things of the nature uh a discipline there's no question based on what you put out there that phil nevin sent his opener out there to throw at seattle mariners there's just no question about it right john boy I, it seems very much like that's the case. Uh, and, you know, I was talking about this. I think it comes off pretty pretty bad. Uh, I, Phil's been very nice to us, and he was with the Yankees sure. for a while, so we've chatted with him, but I don't think it looks great. I think if they were actually slighted, you know, like really wrong, like when CeCe Sabathia threw at the Rays because he was – he was they, they threw at Austin Romine's head. Like, you know, maybe we're sitting here like, well, that's a, that's a, a move that's cool in defense, but 
I don't think they were really wrong. So it just kind of looks bad. Well, I mean, the, the moment, uh, I think it kind of crystallizes everything, not just that you lip read every syllable with the exception of, of one line from uh, Phil Nevin. Uh, you, you, you read it without a doubt. This is what he was saying. But you, you, you captured Jesse Winker apparently uh, being uh, met in, in the mosh pit by Andrew Wants, the guy who threw it at his hip. And it looks like Wants told him, I, I, I didn't mean to, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I had to do it. Because you had Winker basically saying, you had to do it? <laughs> like he said that to his face. I couldn't believe that when I was watching your video, John Boy. I know. I, I, these pitchers get put in tough spots. Because I don't, we. I mean, I still Hughes did a podcast where he was told he had to throw at a guy, so he, so he did. And I know there was a case. I did a breakdown last year where you know I heard from through some back channels that the pitcher like really didn't want to, and that's why he missed him. And sometimes that's why they miss the first time is because all right, I'll brush him back and not hit him, and then they go to the dugout, and then they get told, hey, no, you need to hit him. You can't just miss him. So he. The, the body language of the, that pitcher looked very apologetic and in the wrong, and it, and then that's what it looked like. Winker was saying to him, "Like you had to, why?" And uh, I don't know. It's a really weird part of the sport. Don't well. The weird part of the sport, I think, John Boy, is that baseball allows the people from the bullpen to join the fray. You know, to run three hundred feet uh, to come on in. Like to me, that that's adding twenty more at least bodies to this melee that's going on. And, you know, there there was a a view, somebody from one of those luxury dugout suites that are below, you know, ground level in a way, right behind home plate. This was a serious mix-up that we had on the field that night, you know? You have people on the ground getting, you know, trampled on, like inadvertently getting to be really injured. And the the bullpen thing is, is wild. I mean, it's a spectacle in and of itself. It does nothing. It's not really anything but entertainment, but they could they could stop that easily. They could also stop if you leave the dugout, then you get a harsher penalty. But I guess that would lead to more unfair fights if it's just yes, one, one batter versus nine, nine guys. Players. And I felt for the umps, man. The umps couldn't do anything. I mean, it's just four guys with forty other guys You're trying to stop forty other guys. It it, it was something else. But I, I mean, the fact that you caught you caught Trout grabbing Upton of the the Mariners too, a former teammate of his he grabbed him out of the fray and Otani they were trying to keep him out of there too that was amazing that was just amazing I it was Otani's I think you know I think it was I don't want to be wrong but I believe it was his translator it's that was <laughs> keeping him back and then I, another translator got suspended for the <laughs> Angels I is, is that right is that right? Yeah, I believe one of the names that got suspended was a translator, which is yeah, wild. Manny Del Campo. So for two games, they're going to need something. Is there? Can you bring in a, a backup translator, or they're just going to have to? T- they're just going to have to use uh, hand signals. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't even know what that means. Really, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. He can't. He just can't be in the dugout. What is? I mean. So that really stinks for that player. If they really rely on him, he's just going to be lost for two games. And, and with Iglesias getting uh, two games, did do we know, did he get the two games for fighting or for throwing all the gum uh, out on the field? Was that uh, what it was? Was it a gum-throwing situation? I wonder. That, that was interesting to me because, like everyone else, I, I thought he was still mad at Jesse Winker and trying to antagonize, anta- uh, you know, 
uh, antagonize them. But it was that footage by the Japanese YouTube channel where they had the shot of him getting told he was ejected, and that was his reaction, which I don't know how much better it makes him look, but I think somewhat better that he was mad at the umps and not throwing things on his own field to to get the Mariners, because that was really confusing. I was like, what does this do? Why was why would this hurt the Mariners? You trashing your own field, but he was throwing it at the umpire's direction. So <laughs> that, just... was, that was like a little while I was editing, and I was like, oh, okay, I think that makes sense. I don't think anyone else has figured that out yet. It was it rage about being told that he got ejected when he was playing peacemaker, but for for or yeah. attempting to for for much of the for much of the fight. So I mean, this is unbelievable, you know. And when it all comes down to it, John Boy, I I would like you if I can make a request. Can you eventually do a breakdown on the bullpen guys running into a fray and seeing who's the fastest and who's the slowest? Can you figure that one out? Can, oh, can I you can do that? tell you who the fastest is. I can. We can try and get some data. But David Robertson in twenty. It was actually the first breakdown I ever made was from the twenty seventeen brawl, the Yankees Tigers, and I simply, for my own sake, I wanted to find out what everybody did. I was like, I want to follow just Gary Sanchez and see what he did. I want to follow just Jacoby Ellsbury and. See see what he did and i i i got all the footage and i made it just for myself and then i realized that hey people might be interested in what i just found here you know like david robertson came out and and sprinted from the bullpen everyone had seen that but sonny gray came out and he instantly had a player in uh, a body slam from the from the bullpen and those were the first as the first breakdown every first time i made a video where i'm talking over highlights and i say a breakdown and i'm doing it at my nine to five job and kind of whispering into the mic because i was at work so they're still on youtube but which job uh, was it where, where were you working at the time in 2017 i was a video editor and videographer at a uh, event company mostly weddings and corporate events and stuff like that <laughs> so does somebody have a john boy breakdown of their wedding that they never knew actually existed somewhere is that what you're saying yeah i mean I, I that's what i a lot of times i talked over it i wonder uh you know if i ever could have made money just giving them a full commentary of the dance floor oh, man otherwise it's working out for you i mean congratulations on the fact that people are now waiting for your review of something they see something on a baseball diamond and they're now like okay now now they, they're demanding it of you you know and you had to put out a video yeah. saying it's coming you know everybody yeah, back they, that was a wild one i was like hey this is taking a while just hang with me and and then I always want to make sure I can try to highlight something that that is uh, maybe went unnoticed or something. So the moment I saw Archie Bradley fall over the railing, uh, uh, that's when my eyes lit up, and I was like, "Okay, that's at least that's one thing that I can can carry me into the next scene." Because I don't think anyone's pointed that out yet. That was one of the breakdown points, uh, Christopher. Is that Chris? Uh, was that uh, Archie Bradley? He fell. <laughs> as they were spilling out of the Angels dugout, he fell. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he just tripped and fell. That's a problem. He was yeah. he, actually he was the first angel on the ground in that whole situation. Yeah, you know, no yeah. doubt. Oh. He got the worst of it up until that point. Hey, before I let you go, uh, the Yankees just keep winning. Uh, they have an insane number of comeback wins. They have uh, obviously an MVP candidate in Judge. The, the one thing that gives you pause about this team to uh, was it the the way that they almost got swept by the Astros? I mean, what what are your two cents on on the team that you watch? I believe the most, John Boy. I just, I just think that uh, good teams get better, and they're really good right now, and they're finding a lot of ways to win. Uh, teams uh, starting five rotation don't stay, uh, you know, from start to finish. So I think 
I think Cashman and the Yanks have to do a lot of prep for the what-ifs where there's been years past where they didn't make moves at the deadline. Uh, 2019, they were really good, and then they lost Dellen Batances and Domingo Herman right after the deadline ended, and that changed the outlook of the bullpen and the um, rotation. So I think that those lessons should be learned, and there's going to be injuries, and there's going to be people that don't have good second halves, and there's no waiver wire now on the deadline. So we got to, you know, they got to make as much replacements and reinforcements as they can because not everything's going to be this easy the whole way. And so who's the second best team? Is it the Mets? Who else Who else is um, is up there in your estimation as we're entering uh, July, John Boy? In the AL, I think it's the Astros uh, for sure. I think that they don't make that many mistakes. They play good in every facet of the ball. Their hitting can be will be better at times. I think they're going to get better. But in the NL, I'm not sure. The Padres continue to impress me. Their starting pitching is so good, and that's the thing that will win you games especially in the postseason. You have to have starters that can eat innings and go deep, and they're getting that really well. And then, uh, you know, if the Yankees have to play the, the Blue Jays or the Red Sox in a five-game series, mm. I still think there's just a little fear factor of it's a five-game series and those teams are good. I think the Yankees are better. But just just as, uh, you know, playoff jitters of anything can happen. Well, the Yankees have a four-game set in, uh, in Fenway Park coming up next week, so we'll see how that one all plays out. John Boy, thanks for the time, um, and uh, congrats on that on that monster vid. Everyone should seek it out on, on uh, the John Boy Media YouTube page. Thanks for the time. Greatly appreciate it, as always. Thank you very much, man. You got it. At John Boy underscore on Twitter, a complete must-follow at John Boy Media on Instagram. John Boy right here on The Rich Eisen Show. And uh, as always, get your Sunday started in the world of Major League Baseball right here on Peacock with the spectacular Sunday leadoff production. It is a great watch from start to finish. Jason Benetti making the play-by-play with uh, guest analysts every single Sunday, one from each team that's on the screen from their local broadcast. Jack Morris was the last time the Tigers were on. I don't know if he'll be part of the broadcast against the the Tigers hosting the Royals, and it starts at 11.30 in the morning Eastern time on Peacock. It's just a, it's a blast to watch right here uh, on, on Peacock, and we're thrilled uh, that you're watching us here on Peacock every single day and also on Sirius XM Channel 85 NBC Sports Audio. We will take a break, and uh, it is the birthday of somebody who is so formative for me that I'm going to take some time and give him his due and take some more of your phone calls as we finish up this Tuesday program. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
We're I back know. here on our terrestrial radio show. And uh, for those who are just joining us uh, with your ears uh, on Peacock <laughs> and Sirius XM, we were talking about, uh, you know, spiders and things like that because there was a spider in studio and Mike's afraid of spiders. You said T.J. Jefferson. You had a friend nicknamed Spider. My old roommate from Pittsburgh was named Spider. Okay, and Spider had a And he's probably listening right now. Tarantula. He had a pet tarantula well, named how, But how could a tarantula be a pet? He kept him in a cage, and then he'd take him out, let him crawl on him, and he nah, he's, like yeah, you know he was into him. Uh, but what is it, but, like, do you do you walk your tarantula? I, I I did see him with a leash on once. I thought it was peculiar, but I don't you know I don't know what happened. No, the, the I mean, so does a tarantula tank. can it can the tarantula emotionally attach? Hey, man, you're asking itself me, to a human once again in I the said same it. way that obviously spider mentally me attached like I said you're asking me to yeah. a to a to a, a tarantula I had I had no real connection now with the spider you guys got me itching, you're itching. yeah because now you got me now I'm thinking tarantula I'm thinking spider it's like you've got arachnophobia I hundred percent okay he, he's not joking there was a spider crawling on the floor how just, big was it. I could be, it was very Where small. One, it was others. very small. That's How big was it? And I couldn't even. A nickel? No. A nickel? I, I would have been afraid if it was the size a of a nickel. No. no. All right. I'm gonna, you've been afraid of a spider the size of a nickel. I'm Are you gonna, kidding it me? It was not even close to a nickel size. I'm going to tell you why size. this started. When I was a kid, I used to have water next to my bed. Okay. I woke up one day, and one night, and I was drinking. And I was a little, I was young. And there was a spider in there? And there was a spider in the bottom of the glass. It had gone into the glass, into the water, and probably drowned itself. But I almost drank the glass. And it was a, it had a body. You almost consumed a spider. It was disgusting. And I'm done. That was it. You're done. So wait a minute. Day. Wait a second, Rich. He, is, mm. the spider was dead. Doesn't matter. Mm. So what were you afraid of? There's, a, there's other spiders. He could have consumed one, it. He could have consumed it. It could have been a spider. dead spider in his system. Look, I ain't trying to put anybody's business out there. But Mike, mm. I bet you've consumed a lot worse things yeah. than maybe yeah, like I, a, I get a, it, a dead spider a, in the bottom of a cup. You know, there's a myth. It's not real but there was a myth that you eat about eight spiders a year while you're sleeping yeah that's what they say it's not real though it's who creates that myth that's, myth. that's why i wear a cpap mask the, 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 the person who, it, the person who creates spider <laughs> anon <laughs> like what is that what sort you know, of I, story I never, is that i never ate a spider but i did arachna arachnanon a worm from a bottle of tequila once. i had the crickets right. at that mlb thing and that I was something else all right the crickets were good, good mike just let me know if we need to get uh, an exterminator in here. Just no, to make, so do we need to looking. spray around your <laughs> My console? My head is on a swivel for spiders, Rick. <laughs> okay, you have no know. idea. <laughs> so uh, I, I want to end the show by saying happy birthday to somebody who has given me so much joy. Yes. Truly my entire life. I just turned 53 years old last Friday. Happy 96th birthday to the one and only brilliant Mel Brooks. Yes, indeed. 96 years old i have known about mel brooks ever since i can remember because my parents were huge fans of a program that came on the air first in 1950 called your show of shows which was headlined by sid caesar imogene coca i knew about her imogene growing up Co yeah. okay and for anybody who was wondering, well what's your show of shows it's the precursor to saturday night live a comedy variety sketch comedy show and the writer's room included Mel Brooks also Neil Simon oh wow also on this program was Carl Reiner who said it was the inspiration for the Dick Van Dyke show about a writer's room and a comedy show and who and Sid Caesar was the the Dick Van Dyke character and 
So I, I knew of Mel Brooks. And then I got to, to take in what he was putting out into the world. And it started with a TV show called Get Smart, which was created by Buck Henry and Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. And this was in the era of all the Bond films. It was a total send-up on James Bond, Maxwell Smart, Don Adams, the uh, actor, played Maxwell Smart, a bumbling uh, spy. And Agent 86, and he had all the bells and whistles, just like James Bond did, including a shoe phone, which I bet you Apple is working on right now. (laughs) (laughs) And the cone of silence that would come down on the chief and him. They would have a conversation in these plastic tubes. It was hilarious. And I remember the show opened like it was yesterday because he went through different hallways and then down a down a, a phone booth into, and and so. But I, I I that was the show I essentially watched when I was sick and home from school on Channel Five in New York yes. City. And then I started to be old enough to start watching his movies. The producers was his big, big huge hit to start as a movie maker. With Zero Mostel and look at Gene Wilder there playing two guys making a uh, scamming their way to create and taking all the money to fund a Broadway musical that they intended to flop on the opening night. They would take all the money that they put into the play. It would flop and then they would keep all the proceeds. And it was a, a, a comedy that was based on this concept and the musical was called Springtime for Hitler. It was a, a, a musical based on Hitler. Okay, in 1967, Oof, that wow. came out. 1974, what a year for oh. Mel Brooks, Blazing Saddles I and mean, Young Frankenstein. I mean. Okay, and again, the Gene Wilder, Mel Brooks connection, Blazing Saddles, obviously Cleavon Little as the sheriff. Harvey Corman, the brilliant Harvey Corman playing Hedley Lamar, not Hedy Lamar, Hedley, Hedley Lamar, Lamar. And then Mel Brooks played the governor, William J. Lepetamine, uh, in, in Rock Ridge and all of that. Um, just the most foul comedy you could come up with. Young Frankenstein, where Silent Gene Wilder movie. is Dr. Frankenstein. Okay, Peter Boyle playing Frankenstein. Madeline Kahn in both of these films. She was nominated for an Oscar in Blazing Saddles, playing Lily von Stupp in that film. But Madeline Kahn in this film, in Young Frankenstein, where it was just a brilliant send-up of the great Frankenstein story. That was 1974. 1977, I remember my parents took me to a movie theater in New Jersey to see High Anxiety. I didn't get all the jokes because it was all a send-up of all Alfred Hitchcock movies. But Cloris Leachman playing the evil Nurse Diesel in the Institute for the Very, Very Nervous that Mel Brooks's character was institutionalized in, or he's trying to see what was going on in that institution that also uh, Harvey Corman in this film... Uh, and Nurse Diesel led me to my sports center line for anybody thrown out at third base or home plate. Those who are late do not get fruit cup. Those who are tardy do not get fruit cup. Um, is from that film, 1977. 1981, Mel's oh. now in the 80s. History of the World comes out. That's my favorite. And this one might be his bawdiest comedy of all. Uh, he plays the French king. 
Um, it's good to be the king because he treats anybody the way he wants to. Um, he could go to the bathroom when he wants because it was somebody called a piss boy with a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Sire. Okay. Dom DeLuise was terrific Jeez. in this film. <laughs> and then Spaceballs in 1987 oh. might be more up your alley That's and your generation, own. Christopher. The send-up on Star Wars. Um, you know, John Candy in this movie. And Bill Pullman came on this program and said he had never seen Star Wars before getting this gig. Uh, and Rick Moranis is Darth yes. Helmet. Oh my God! <laughs> um, May the Schwartz be with you. And then also, in between all that, his relationship with Carl Reiner for half a century, playing the two thousand year old man, where he played an old Jewish man, and Carl Reiner interviewing him, and then the two thousand and thirteen version because he was bar mitzvah the two thousand year old man. <laughs> my parents loved this stuff and passed it along to me. And these signed autographed copies are truly some of my most cherished possessions. Happy birthday, Mel Brooks. Keep us laughing, sir.